Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. We have a return guest today. She is everything coach, author, CEO, leadership expert, 20 plus years of experience in leadership, tactics, tips, uh, all the things we need to know as being business owners, entrepreneurs, to scale, to grow, to lead people. She is the expert in that field. And Lord knows if y'all have ever heard an episode here by me, you know, I am not. Um, I am not only a work in progress, like I don't even know that I've started figuring that out after 25 years of doing this. Um, Marsha Acker, welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. Thank you, Chad. I'm super excited to be here. I had a blast last time, so happy to be back. It's going to be so much fun. So all of you out there listening, go back. It's like five months ago, episode 147. We start diving into leadership. We have a lot of fun talking about my struggles, about the communication side and some of the tactics and tips behind how to be a better leader. I bought the book. Marcia has wrote I don't book doesn't even describe this. It says workbook. This is like a year-long course. <laughs> Build your model for leading change. I bought this thing. I'm like, this is great. I'll spend a week or so reading it, going through it. We'll jump on another podcast. I get into this. First of all, it's beautiful and awesome. Mm. There's quotes, there's inspiration, there's colors, there's pictures, there's art, there's diagrams, there's reflections. Marsha, I don't know how long it took you to write this book or what all you put into it, but it is a masterpiece, by the way. Oh, thank you. No, I, it's definitely not a sit down and read it I, in one weekend book for sure. So I have good news and I have bad news for you. And just to give you give the listeners out there a little insight, today we're going to continue to work on fixing my leadership problems. I have not shared my current update five months later with Marsha. Um, I have done some work in the book. I have been through the book. Mm. I have not finished the book um, because, again, this is like a year-long project. But so all of you out there, if you have leadership problems or you feel like you need to improve as a leader, this is going to be a really good case study because we're going to dive into some things today. But, but, but I, I mean, this thing is awesome. There's, I, I love how it's got these little reflections and you, you write in the book and notes and you get to the end, there's like a monthly follow-up and things you do for six months. And this is, yeah. I mean, this is a whole course. It's amazing. You've done a heck of a job. Thank you. All right. So Wait. go ahead. I was just going to say, I think leadership is an ongoing practice. I don't think we're ever done. So, and, you know, I think that's the good news and maybe, maybe the, maybe the bad news, but I, I think it's ongoing work. I think it's a practice. Like going to the gym, working out every day. Uh, that's that's so good, and and it is until you just throw in the towel, and then you say, "I'm not going to the gym anymore," which is <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. Okay, right, Marcia, let me update you a little bit on my side. Um, yeah. When we last spoke, I was really committed to being a better leader. I wanted to be CEO mm -hmm. and lead my people. I wanted to scale. I wanted to grow my tax firm multiple cities, $10 million in revenue, three different offices, 25 employees. I manage and motivate and inspire and become the leader that I see on TV. And I have a, like a, 
I have a specific like moment in a specific episode of a TV show of like the leader I want to be and like what mm. that looks like. And so all those things. And I hired a couple of people since we spoke and they're young. One had five years experience. Um, one was really young with no experience. I'm like, we're going to lead and teach and mentor and train. Well, let's back up about four weeks ago. Mm. I decided I I don't know that this is for me. I don't know that I want to scale. I don't know mm -hmm. that I want to be CEO that's a leader. I kind of just like doing the work. And when I do mm -hmm. the work, I make more money. I don't spend 10 hours a week training and leading and mentoring. And so we made some staff changes and we are now down back down to an office of four or five yeah. and I'm probably, I know we're new and I'm probably the happiest I've been in a year mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I'm, I just struggled so much with that leadership piece. And I've been through pieces of the book and there's lots of things we can talk about, but yeah, my biggest question for you, mm. what if, what if I'm not hard, hardwired to be a leader? What mm -hmm. if I am a individual performer and not a leader, no matter how much I try to build this skill set, and even further than that, I think there's certain people that are put people over task and there are certain people that put task over people. I am 100% a task over people personality. That's how I work. That's how I operate. Yeah. Can you fix me? <laughs> or, well, what, or how to, how do yeah. we need to dive in and unpack this yeah. mess I just threw on you? No, I think it's great. There's um, there's a couple of things that I want to say. One, I just want to acknowledge the courage that I think that that takes to recognize when you've gotten out to a place that's just not resonating. And then the bravery and courage to say, I'm like, I want to go back to a different version. So I, I love that because I think sometimes we get hung up so much on what we think we should be doing. So that's one thing that I want to say. The other thing I want to say, uh, you've used the word fix I'll just say in my model for leadership, I don't believe that people need to be fixed. Um, I believe that we are, uh, yeah, I, I don't believe we need to be fixed. So, so that's the other thing that I'd offer. I, I think the third thing is um, you're talking about, uh, I'm hearing maybe a distinction in how we talk about leadership. So I think about leadership as a quality, that any of us can bring. My my four year old can demonstrate leadership. Like you know, um, your 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 infant might not quite be there yet, but just you know, just give him a few a few more months, and like you'll start, I think you'll start to notice leadership really is about how we sort of step into the space that we're holding and how we show up. And so I think that's available to anybody. And then I think there's the position of being a leader in an organization. So to your point of, you know, be a CEO of a growing, you know, multinational, multi-billion organization. And I don't think that everybody wants or needs to be that. And I, so I think there's, boy, a lot of, I would imagine, you tell me, I would imagine that you said you're the happiest that you've been, but like, what's it like to just let that go? So, all right. So, yeah, I think you just made two really awesome distinctions. And, and I don't know if I look like and evaluate 
myself as as more than just a business owner. I think I am a leader and even somewhat of an influencer in a lot of ways. Like I definitely like lead my family. I definitely lead in the community. I'm on boards. People turn yeah. to me for opinions and decisions. Um, even on my team now and with my clients, especially, I'm a huge leader for my clients. And so I have leadership in those days. But when I start trying to manage and lead people and especially younger people inside of my office or inside of the walls of this tax firm, yeah, I just I just struggle. And, and then not only do I struggle, I don't like it. Mm. It's frustrating to me. And so that's mm. when I say like why like is such a weight or just I'm loving my role at work so much more is I don't know if I'm not a good trainer. I'm not a good manager. I don't want to be a babysitter or I'm just not a mm. good leader or motivator. But I just I just when when I'm trying to lead people inside of this office space that that don't just have that skill set to essentially come in and lead themselves. Mm. I just get frustrated. I micromanage. I get frustrated. Mm. I, I I spend time and energy around it. So I'm now I'm not doing the work I need to be doing. So I'm, I'm trying mm. to still do work for clients. I'm trying to lead. I'm trying to manage and run and grow the company. Now I got more employees, so I got to drive more business development, which means I got to get on social more and I got to do that. And so it, now I'm like, you know what? Let's just not grow with number of people. Mm. Let's not take on any new clients. Let's clean the slate a little bit on the number of staff. Yeah. And now I freed up. It's seriously like 10 or 15 hours a week of free time. Mm. And I'm making my payrolls less, so I'm making more money. I'm not yeah. having to do business development because I don't need more clients to give to employees, to afford new employees. Yeah. I'm not getting frustrated every day training. I'm not doing all these training videos and all these leadership, rah, rah. I'm not, I'm truly, honestly, not even doing like a weekly company meeting right now. That was like an hour and a half a week. And so it feels so freeing. And I feel yeah. like this is what I'm built for is just to like be really good at what I do and yeah. serving clients and like the performer piece of who I am as my experience yeah. in the tax world of tax planning and taxes and consulting for clients, maybe it's not being yeah. a CEO of a company with 25 employees, or maybe it's not growing this thing. Maybe it's just harnessing what we got and being happy where we're at. I mm -hmm. I, tr I truly don't know. I may in three months be like, this sucks. You know, I need to grow. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're pointing to the distinction between working in the business and on the business. And I think I think I like working in the business. That's the yeah, crazy yeah. thing I think I'm starting to figure out. But maybe yeah. I'm just scared of growing or maybe I'm so ill-equipped to be a leader or work on the business. I just keep defaulting back to the easy answer being in the business. I don't know. Teach me, guide yeah. me, fix yeah. me. Oh, I yeah. don't need fixing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I I'm a big believer in follow your, your instinct, right? So there's okay. something about your instinct that had you. So as I hear you, your zone of, your zone of genius is in what you do. And I think that's true of many entrepreneurs. Like they got to that space because they're really good at something. And then, and, the, and then here's the big question. Do I remain the solo or do I try to scale? 
Yeah, and I, I think that it's in that scaling that um, as you bring in other people, I, I once interviewed this um, VP of a, of a much larger, much larger organization, but still the same pattern. He said, you know, I took this job and I came in with a vision of what I knew I wanted to have happen in the org. And I had a very clear thing. And then I hit all the people around it. And it's not what I signed up for. And I think that there, you know, I watched um, that particular leader go through a couple of years of really navigating the human piece of it. And yet really just wanting to get back to the the tactical, you know, aspects of the job. So I just, I think that, I think that if you are not willing to play in the people side of it, I think that there is a really clear choice to make. Okay. Right. So I think like if that's not your jam and I don't think it is for everybody, I think there's a lot of freedom and saying, I just want to be, I just want to be the solo solo space so when it's and it's not necessarily solo space for me Mm. i think i've identified i can manage and lead people that are just like me like my business partner he his personality is just like me and we crush it together he was awesome Mm. uh, for seven years we worked side by side then we became business partners and like i think when people are geared like i am I can really lead and manage that. I can't lead and manage other personalities or, or other ways that people communicate. Um, mm. But then it does it. I guess Actually, that, I don't. Can I offer something in the story that you told? I don't hear it as so much about how they're communicating. I definitely hear it about um, the the task of training others. So I think there are people who are more junior in their careers who require, require more training and mentoring. And I think that there are people who are more senior in their careers who, who sort of start from a different sort of table stakes than somebody new. And so I think that's, I think that requires different things of a leader. Okay. And okay. I hear you may be reacting to the, the time, which I think is true of, of hiring people who are younger or, or less experienced in the workforce. Yeah. And I think that's my only sample size. I don't think I've ever tried to go out and hire somebody really experienced um, or try to lead uh, or manage somebody that comes in with a lot more experience and skill set and age and expertise. Um, so that that may be something to, where I may be flawed in my thinking of me, I'm not being a good leader. Maybe I'm just not a good leader of young people. Maybe I'm a good leader of people with a certain level of experience and um and skill set. And I know you talk in your book, you know, you really get into the part about the living side and like Mm. working to live versus living to work and some of those pieces. And I feel like all of a sudden for me, I've had a lot moment of figuring out, you know, how to work to live Mm. on my side of what I enjoy and do not. But I'm like, yeah, does that mean I need to like hire a leader? Do I need to hire a CEO? Do we, do I need to like outsource this thing or do we just need to stay where we're at and me just be the company that I'm happy in right now? Mm. I think it's a, I think that's an age old question that many of us ask. Um, (laughs) I do. I don't think, I think it's so common to be um, deciding like, when do I scale and when do I 
So, so I think the simple answer is yes, for things that are not in your um, resonance. Like I think I look for resonance. So I want to do it. I don't want to do it. Love it. Hate it. Zone of genius. Definitely not my zone of genius. Like I think entrepreneurship and leadership is somewhat of sifting and sorting what that is. And then for the things that we don't do well, or we don't want to do, we might do them. We might do them really well. We just don't like them. I think that's where you start to look for other people. So yeah, you hire an ops person or you hire someone that's really good at, um, who loves mentoring other people. Um, And then you get, you know, you, you offload some of that task to them. I know you work with a lot of bigger businesses and, and a lot of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners that are at a much larger scale than I am. I think you identified what most of our listeners are kind of earlier in this conversation. They are people that got really good at something that started a business around or they were, you know, they're the sole technician or, or yeah. the sole producer of whatever service or product they have in their business. And now they're trying to grow that business for your for your experience in bigger companies and like this VP or CEOs of corporations, did they start out being the technician part of their business and grow it? Or have they just somewhat been a VP or a CEO from the beginning and never knew how to do the the day-to-day parts of the business? There are probably those examples of people who have, um, you know, gone in and, and, you know, become the CEO or the top team. I think many people, you know, there, there's the phrase, um, what got you here won't get you to the next level or what, yes. you know, won't take you there, right? And so I think many of us excel at some aspect, technical aspect, you know, we, we do tax really well, we do accounting really well. For me, it was process improvement. I did, I did process improvement really well. Um, and, and we make our way, like we get rewarded for that knowledge. People... Uh, ask us back. They give us bigger jobs. They keep promoting us inside organizations. For entrepreneurs, we just get, you know, something sparks the, I don't want that stuff anymore. And I really want to do it on my own. And so we get the calling and then we answer the calling. And then we find we're in this position of, I think that, I think what you're articulating is the plight of the entrepreneur. And I think it's an ongoing, I, it certainly has been for me. I started my company in 2005. I feel like I'm often back here answering the get bigger, get smaller, get bigger, get smaller. Like it's, I, I, I actually think it's a healthy choice to be thinking about. I don't think there's ever one um, place that you reach and you get to, you know, being in a small business, it's just that it's subject to a lot more volatility. Of course, there's volatility across you know, every sector at the moment, but I think you feel it more in a small company than you do. It, is that more. because that's just the environment that we're in? Or is that because for most of us, <clears throat> we're just bad at leadership or bad at management? I don't think we're bad at it. I think that being an entrepreneur requires us to be um, really discerning about what hats we need to wear. And it does, you know, the other thing that being an entrepreneur requires you is to, you've got the skill set that you, you that you came into this with, right? It's it is the place that you are as own genius around. I think that what takes time is learning what are the other hats that I need to be wearing, 
what are the ones that I'm not picking up? Like I sort of see no evil, hear no evil. I I don't like that. So I don't want to pick it up, which I kind of hear you pointing to a little bit. Like, I think you have a story that you're telling yourself that you're maybe not good at leadership. And I, I would maybe push back on that a little bit. But I think that there are lots of places that we're required to sort of up our skills. And I, I, my hypothesis is that we're just not always great at discerning how many hats we need to be wearing. And then of those hats, which ones do we want and which ones do we want to ask for help? And I think asking for help is hard too. I agree. I don't mind asking for help. I guess I just wonder if I put in the work to build the skill, A, can that skill even mm-hmm. be built in me? Um, kind of back to task over people. Um, yeah. And if I do, is it really what I want or worth it? Maybe there's some version of fear there. Let me use a a, a mm-hmm. separate situation to kind of replicate what I'm thinking and feeling here. Um, I, as a personality, I don't like to do things I'm not good at. Um, I just mm-hmm. don't know why that's just who I am. Um, I am not good at golf. I despise playing golf because it just makes me pissed off. Very few things Mm -hmm. get me just mad. I don't, I'm terrible at it. It's way Mm -hmm. harder than it should be. And it frustrates me. And so if I go play golf, I come back mentally worse. I'd just soon rather been at work. I come back (laughs) in a worse place. Um, Do I think I could spend a year taking lessons and hiring a coach and get good at golf and then probably enjoy it? I truly don't know because there is no like perfection. There is no, you're good enough. Now you still hit bad shots. I think that's what some people enjoy that keeps bringing them back. There's good shots and bad shots for me. I don't, I'm like, I don't think it's worth me grinding out a year Mm. to learn how to play golf because I still don't think I like it. I almost feel that exact same way about all the details of the model for leading change in your book or being a Mm. leader or manager or CEO. I'm like, Man, I think I could probably put in, I could mm. grind it out for a year to really go through this and really next level do some training and probably somewhat build the skill set to be a much better leader. But I'm ever going to be great at it. And then am I even going to like it once I do? I don't, mm. I don't know. So I think the first question to ask is um, would you be willing to be imperfect? Oh, 100%. I'm totally good with that. I fell all the time. I make bad decisions okay. all the time. I'm imperfect every day. I got no issues or no ego yeah. with that. So how does that connect with your statement about, I I don't like to do things that I'm not good at? I, all right, let's take business, for example, and mm-hmm. let's take business decisions. Um, as an investor in businesses in starting businesses and my entrepreneurial journey of other stuff I do outside of my day-to-day job and career, yeah. I look at an 80% success rate. If I can start new businesses or buy new businesses or invest in stuff mm-hmm. and 80% of them succeed and 20% fail, I am winning. Mm-hmm. Same thing in my daily decision-making of my company. If I can make 80% good decisions as an owner of this company, we mm-hmm. will win tremendously. I'm okay with that level. I've somehow built a failure rate and a success rate that I am okay with that pushes me to try and take risk and do things and be okay. It could, I could fail tremendously. It could be a Mm. several hundred thousand dollar failure 
or it could be a small failure. It's to me, I just that oh, failed at that. Let's try again because yeah. I know eighty percent of the time I'm going to win. Um, I can't quite visualize that same thing in golf or leadership. Mm. What would you need to believe was going to be on the out, you know, on the output of investing time in leadership in order to want to invest the time? I think I would need to believe there is improvement in the result consistently mm. of the people I am leading or trying to grow or mentor or train. Mm. And maybe I'll up everything in the leadership, management, training, mentoring, growth and yeah. of the people that are under me. Cause I think you yeah. got to lead the people to a better place for you, the company, for them, everything to be a good leader. Yeah. Um, I think I would need consistent improvement and where I see consistent babysitting and micromanaging. Mm. So what is it about leadership that has you associate um, babysitting and micromanaging? Like what's the connection? And uh, I hear people say you got to, repeat something seven times or just when you're mm. sick of saying it, you got to say it 10 more times. Mm. That's what I, I can't feel like be I'm okay with. I want to tell mm. somebody or teach somebody something once or twice and mm. they care so much. They learn it and never make that mistake again. Or they, mm. or they, I don't know. I just, I feel like so much of leading and leadership is scorecards and did you do this mm. this week? And, mm. you know, did you check these boxes? Did you communicate this way? Like, like one of our last employees, I'm like, I was having to read every email he was sending to clients. Cause I got where not only was his quality of work things I was having to review. Now I'm having to review communication because it's just not the yeah. level I wanted it to be. And so yeah. I guess when, what do I need to see? Input wise, I don't mind putting in 10 hours a week for leadership. I don't mind putting in that for myself or for my team or into videos or training programs or one-on-one. I just need to see improvement and commitment to improvement, mm. not just managing and yeah. making sure mistakes don't happen. So I think we're onto something because I think I hear you starting to articulate your model for leadership. <laughs> that you, you may you may unveil this thing all the way. I don't even understand what leadership is, and that would not shock me. And that could no. be the root of the whole thing. <laughs> well, what I hear you articulating is that in your model for leadership, um, there are some values that are there. So you're working with people who care greatly. Um, you're working with people who. Uh, are um, attentive to detail. So those are two characteristics that I hear. And then I also hear you um, saying that you're articulating, so you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm, I'm, these are my words about what I'm hearing you say, that um, you're setting vision, uh, you are um, giving direction when needed, and that you're not having to find yourself, um, you, you don't want to micromanage. You actually don't want to track tasks. So another thing that you're looking for in someone else is that they're self-directed. 
Um, and so, so what I'm hearing is there are some qualities that you're wanting to find in people that you're working with. And then there are also some qualities and attributes about how you lead that are super important to you. And so when I talk about defining your model for leadership, I think one, it's about getting clear about what those things are. So, so I hear you starting to articulate that. And I think the second part of that is then once you're clear, beginning to make decisions based on that. So, so one possibility is that it's not about you being a bad leader. It's po there, one possibility is that the folks that you hired just were not the right folks. They weren't the right fit. And, and I will say, I truly believe that's probably the case, hmm. but I'm batting like 15% over here. I mean, out of, out of 15 people, like three or four have worked out. And so, and may, may I'm just, maybe I don't know how to hire. Maybe I'm, I don't want to, hmm. I'm not willing to cycle through that many people to find the right people. I don't know. I think it's about getting clear about what what it looks like for you first. That makes sense. Because in that, um, in the, I think this is the whole point of model building. Uh, and while the things in the workbook are helpful, what you are talking about right now is kind of getting at the at the crux of it. There are some characteristics and attributes you want people who are discerning, who are. Um, self-motivated and directed, who care greatly, who pay attention to detail, who, um, you know, you might, it, like the, the list might continue. But I think once you get clear about what that looks like in folks that you're hiring, also what it looks like for you. So as a leader, um, you want to be setting direction. You want to be delegating. You're actually really clear about, you know, some aspects of that that you don't want to do. So what is that? But I think getting clarity around what does leadership look like for you? What brings you energy? What's the values set that you want to work towards? How do you want to grow leadership? How do you want to make it a practice that you're working on? And actually in a way that you roll out of bed in the morning and go, yeah, I'm, I'm up for this. Not, oh my God, <laughs> like I have to go do that thing. And then comes the decision to hire. But only after you've gotten clear about What's in your model for leadership? All right. Because I'll then you're look. hiring towards your intention and the value set. And you're in, I think model building, the, the, the gift is that it provides clarity for me to say this, not that. Like if I go to hire someone in my company, I am so clear about how we work. Like you've got to be willing to come in and talk about this stuff. You've got to be willing to do your own development. And one of the things that I say is, if you are unwilling to take responsibility for the part that you play in breakdowns, you will not last a week here. And, um, and, and, and people have left here because of that. So like, I'm super clear about those things and, and less, you know, I care less about all the, you know, the box checking things that people have to, like, I'm much more, I much more care about uh, behavior and attitude and mindset. All right, this is really starting to mm. resonate, and some light bulbs yeah. are starting to go off. Um, man, I think I I'm starting to see how important mod kind of back to your book, modeling out and identifying mm. what I want as as 
kind of the leadership side of what that means to me and what I want that to look like and let that kind of be the tail that wags the dog of like who I'm leading. But here's, so I've kind of done that, but maybe I stopped short or maybe I'm confused mm-hmm. in some other areas. I have become increasingly clear kind of pre let's back up to first of this year. Let's back up eight, mm-hmm. 10 months ago. I became really clear. So I thought of where the vision of where I wanted this company to go and what it looked like in the number of people. I also became very clear on the five core values and what those details are Mm -hmm. of what I want this company to be and everybody inside of it to be and what that stand for. And that's part of me too, you know, that's. And so I have hired based on, do you want to go where we're going? Mm -hmm. Are you committing to these core values and do you align with this as what you want as well? But, and I thought that was the same thing as like, Mm. I thought that was what I wanted as a leader and who I needed to lead. But I guess there's maybe a third step of, okay, that's not just that. Now there's the side of what attributes and what self-motivation those aren't in our core values but is that another layer that i need for them to be a personality and agreement and fit to in addition to these other things i think it's about um i talk about separating what we do from how we do it okay and i think the what we do is you know we're in this space we're, we're moving in the strategic direction. You know, those are very clearly things you should be articulating them. Um, getting people to buy into that is definitely a part of the equation. So that's step one. Yes. I think step two is how, um, and it, it comes down to behavior, which is really what's underneath that whole book is mm-hmm. how do we think, how do we lead? What do we value? And then, um, it's it's about the space in between us. So there's you, there's me, and then there is how we, how you and me are going to communicate and operate on a day-to-day basis. And I think of everything else that we can focus on, the how is actually where the relationship breaks down and where companies break down because we don't pay much attention to it. Okay. This is brilliant, by the way. This, I mean... Mm-hmm you cipher through this and help me figure this out? This is like, I feel like Nobel, like peace prize worthy. <laughs> like this is like genius. Um, when you talk about space between us and like mm-hmm. the breakdown and the how, yeah. just because we have the same agreement of core values or just because we agree that this company and vision is where I want to go has nothing to do with the space between me and that person and me leading that person. That does not mean there is alignment there. And that's, if I am interpreting that right, that is like probably the most important thing of any of these three things of vision, core values, and whatever you'd identify that as of how I interact and how I lead somebody or how they want to be led. I think it's the thing that we talk about the least. I think we leave it up to chance a lot of times to <laughs> um, hope that it the hope that it works out. And and I have too, but many a time um, I certainly did that. 
and I don't think I could be any more clearer today. And if I, if I ever forget, <laughs> the universe has a way of reminding me <laughs> in my own company of, um, you know, I, you know, even just today of how we, when we get so focused on moving the ball down the court or, you know, whatever analogy you want to make, and we forget to pay attention to the relationship or we forget to ask for the, you know, in my case, it was continuing to make moves. Like, where are we at with this? Where are we at with this? Finally, you know, it's, it's been months now and I'm like, I, like, I'm confused. I just don't understand where we're at. And it was in that moment of, at least I know we've built the, we have a container in a relationship where we already know, and there's an expectation that you're going to be honest with me when it's time to be honest, but it's, it's always hard. But, but the person that I was talking to was just like, I disagree with what you're asking me to do. And I see it really differently. And I'm like, great, then let's chuck out what I'm asking you to do. And let's, let's you make the move. And like, we're going to need to talk about whether I can live with your move, but if it, but if it means it moves forward, then I'm all, I'm all for it. And she said, I didn't, I didn't believe I had that. I didn't believe I had that ability. I didn't believe I had that authority. And I'm like, yeah, we got to. So, man, it sounds like I've been confused in maybe some core value pieces of what I thought I wanted and what I really want. Like, one of the core values we have is being coachable. You, you, mm. to be a part of our team, you have to be coachable. You have to be willing to, to, mm. to fail and be corrected and take criticism and take ownership mm. and responsibility. And, and I kind of identify that as the most important piece. But it's not just you don't just have to be coachable. For me, you got to also be self motivated and yeah. come in and on three days in a row, I might not be able to talk to you because I'm so busy with my stuff. You got to be okay with that and be able to. Yeah. Yes, that's interesting. All right. Let me. Okay. Yeah. And this is all clarifying a lot of stuff. To be a good, let's take a specific mm. person in that space between us as a leader and an employee. To be a good leader, does it does there have to be do I have to be a friend? Do they have to be something mm -hmm. like bigger relationship wise there? Because honestly, I don't really want that. Yeah, I think oh you've you've hit on something that I think is so um, it's so key for entrepreneurs especially, but I think leaders all, of any size struggle with this. So what I would say is I think that there needs to be relationship built. And what I call a container, meaning okay. you and I have agreements. If I'm, if you're going to hire me and I'm going to work for you, like we've got to have an understanding that um, is it okay for me to oppose something that you say, or are you going to get mad, and might I lose my job if I oppose that? So, so I think about container building as we start to build trust. Um, it means that uh, I know you and you know me to the extent that it makes sense for us to know one another, I actually don't believe that it always means we're friends. Yeah, I but like I think that. it does mean that we have a relationship. Yeah, I agree. I think it needs to be respect and trust, 100%, but that doesn't mean yeah. I want to be friends. Or, or honestly, it, it, I, it doesn't mean that I really want to hear about 
30 minutes what happened for your week over your weekend. Or, I mean, I want to have a relationship. I respect who you are and I do want yeah. to have conversations. I want to have a social office, but I also don't necessarily want to get in the weeds of all your stuff either on the mm-hmm. personal side. And I'm like, maybe that makes me a bad leader. Maybe not. Maybe they're just, do I need to communicate that on the front end? Or are you, the more you listen, are you like, yeah, you just need to work by yourself. And like, <laughs> I know I I think well I think it's I think this is another tricky space because I hold a belief that no one um changes anything that they're doing until they feel heard and understood. And so I think that some of this is as a leader is about being able to make space for three different languages. So the mm, language of okay. power, the things that we're getting done the language of meaning, like why, what's the purpose? And the third is the language of affect, which is care and connection for others. And so um, I do think that there will be two of those languages that we do pretty naturally. So I'm just going to make a hypothesis that maybe for you at work, in the context of work, because this matters, that power and meaning might be higher and the language of affect might be lower. So it's what might be behind your statement of, yeah. And then the personal stuff, I don't really, I don't really want to, I don't really want to hear about. And I think that, there, you know, we need to be clear as, so this is partly what's in your leadership model. What is in and what's out for you in terms of boundaries about what you want to know about people personally? And yes, I do think it's helpful to communicate that up front. So, um, and I think we've got to make space to connect with people on a personal level and share stories. So maybe there's certain ways that you do that. Maybe you have one-on-ones, you know, once every two weeks, and really it's just an opportunity to connect with that person on a personal level. So tell me like what's going on at home and, but you've, but you've carved it out. So that's a way to do it. But I think without the personal stories and without the personal connection, we are often missing a layer of trust. If I don't really know you and you don't really know me, I will be more guarded, I will be more standoffish, and I will be less forthright. So, okay, I I get all that. And I think I start out that way. But the more mm-hmm. I get frustrated with like performance, yeah, the more I drift away and the and the worse I get at at yeah. those. So that's three you going into high stakes. Okay. So you might start out with more access to those things, but then when the stakes rise, the affect drops, the power goes up, and um, and for all of us, our behavior changes when the stakes rise. Like it's like we just it's where we become the version of ourselves that we you know we're not particularly happy with or or fond of. Um, and it of. happens. Yeah, or proud of for sure. And so I think that the, you know, the work to do is how to intervene in those moments to change the nature of what's happening before you reach the frustration. Uh, how to lean on that relationship. Yes. Yeah. How to lean on that relationship that you've built to, to bring that conversation forward and go, so, so I'm noticing I've asked this three times and I'm, so now I want to pause and just say, what's happening for you? Like, what's going on? What's, what's ha- what has me asking for this and it not happened? 
And I think that's what I'm not doing that, that communication piece I get. And here's where the affect where I get lost really fast mm-hmm. with that. Cause I do care. Like I really do. I care about yeah, certain things. Um, yeah. I care about helping people achieve what they say they want. Mm-hmm. When you come a part of our team, when you're hired here, when there's a relationship here, there's an understanding of what do you want? So for some yeah. people, it's money. For some people, yeah. it's flexibility. For some people, it's education. For some people, it's t- more time. It's a, yeah. you tell me what you want. I am really, really good at the path to get you what you want. Mm-hmm. What happens and where I start really drifting away is when people say they want something and then they stop being willing to do the mm-hmm. path to get what they, it's not, it, I mean, part of it's what I want because the business has to win too. Yeah. But when they stop doing what they say, they going after what they say they want or stop doing the work to get what they want. I get frustrated and I keep trying to push it and they're just not willing to continue on that path. And that's kind of when I start unraveling and I really lose that piece of it. And I really just, yeah stop communicating instead of trying to communicate more and fix or reel it in. I go the opposite. I communicate even less. And then it really starts to unravel um, after that, of course. Yeah. I think one of the things that will help that is looking for the key indicators of when that's starting to happen. Like if you notice that and it's a pattern, how do you get out ahead of it? I think the second part, I wonder, I wonder where you might be giving too much um, what what we would call in structural dynamics, too much an open system where you're actually looking for people to um, to make moves about what they want. Because I hear you um, really wanting to support them and follow them, get behind them. But in that, I wonder where you might be losing what you need as well. And then, and then in the relationship becomes off balance. A little bit in the book, like when we become off balance between work and life, um, sometimes I think our relationships can get unbalanced in trying to support and grow others too much and not being really clear about what we also need on the other side. So that those those are a couple things that are coming up for me. Okay, that makes that sense. Land. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's take my situation right now. You have a mm. pretty good understanding of where I was at, mm. the changes I made where I'm at now, our conversations now of unpilling this a little yeah. more and me even understanding what the definition of leadership is. Um, yeah. Let's say I wanted to spend the next two or three months mm. moving forward in some direction. Yeah. What are my next steps? Is it like, just stay where you're at for a while? Is it, Hey, do these mm-hmm. things Is it go to this chapter in the book and start there? Is it, how would you, Obviously, I don't need to just go hire somebody and start trying to lead them because I don't even I haven't even identified yeah. a lot of the things I want you know that yeah. to look like. What's what would your coaching direction and advice for me be mm-hmm. for the next two or three months? There's two places that I point you. Is one starting to notice your conversation? So, um, you've pointed to a couple of places where you're recognizing that maybe the conversation broke down with folks that you had hired. But where might there be places, even with the folks that you're working with currently, even if it's clients, like just to look for places where you, where there might be something in the communication that's getting stuck or repetitive. Like that's the first place because there will be 
learning data and not for you about the patterns and how you're communicating with others. So I say that I say start there because I think there are places where we learn about ourselves that will that will ripple throughout other parts of it. I think the second place that I point you is um, the work that we started today around identifying values that are present for you and your leadership. And then also what would the characteristics of those that you were working with be? So these are the behavioral um, characteristics, right? Not the you know trajectory company vision and direction. And I think those pieces, um, and it would be in the leadership, you know, you're building your model for leadership chapter in the book. But I think that piece, getting really clear about what's in your model for leadership and the looking at conversations, I think will help feed it, but also getting clear about some of those practices will help you get clear about when you go to make another step. So I do still think there's a question um, further down the line about, do you want to scale or do you want to stay the same? So I don't hear that maybe quite resolved, but I think these two things would be the place that I'd point you to get started. Right. I love this. And some things kept kind of flooding mm. in bouncing around in my head while you were talking there. I think I've tried to approach leadership the same way I do entrepreneurship. You, mm. oh, for a lot of us, we've heard about building a business or entrepreneurs. We, we jump off the cliff and we build the plane on the way down and we try to get it <laughs> built and get it to fly before we get the ground. Yeah. I think I've been trying as an entrepreneur, I've been trying to build a lead, my leadership mm. model the same way. Let's hire a bunch of people. Let's jump off the cliff. Mm. Let's get everybody here and build it together on the way down and, and try to get it built before we hit the ground. But it sounds like that is a extremely broken and terrible way to approach it. I need to truly build my leadership model for myself and really lay that out before I start bring, before I jump off that cliff. I need to have that plane, that leadership model plane built and make sure it can fly before I start bringing people into the equation. Is that a really good analogy in some of this conversation? I think it, I, I think it's, yes, it works. And I'd say, I don't know. So I, even if I were to tell you about you know, my model for leadership, I don't know that it will ever be done. Mm -hmm. I think it's an ever evolving, ongoing, you know, something changes or I learn something different about myself or I have a different insight and I go, ah, like that, I, you know, I think I'm going to adapt the way that I think about leadership moving forward from here. So I think with the caveat, I think it's helpful to get clear about it, clear enough that you feel like, like the metaphor I would say is that you can stand in decisions and feel like your feet are firmly planted on the ground and you've got clarity. I don't know that you feel like you've got all the hundred answers that you need, but I think that you've got like an internal resonance. Like this feels clear and clean to me. Um, like, I think when you can say that, then you can, you, you know, the plane might not be fully built out. Like it might not have first class and business class. And, you know, it might have, it might just be the structure that allows it to fly safely. Yeah. We, we just need to be able to fly. We don't, it, it's always going to be a work in progress, but yeah. we, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think that that kind of resonates with me and mm. definitely gives me some direction moving forward. And it's interesting. You started that with identifying those repetitive items, 
And interestingly enough, I've never thought about it. And I wonder if other uh, listeners in our audience, other entrepreneurs feel this way. The same thing, that repetitiveness that I get frustrated leading people and employees with, that's actually the same thing I get frustrated with with clients. Mm -hmm. When I have repetitive things or I'm answering the same questions over and over, or I'm having to really babysit to get what I need from clients, it's that same frustration. And so I've and never looked at it. It's mm-hmm. on both sides of that. That is like, I don't know. That's something that's a trigger for me to where I'm like, oh, yeah. So there will be something in that likely for you about the way that request is getting made or that or how like um, that would be the other thing is maybe to write out the, you know, pick an instance, like a real instance when it happens and you notice it and then you go home, and just write out the dialogue that happens. Um, And if you want, you can send it to me. But it's in the dialogue of what's happening in that moment that you might be able to catch sight of a a pattern in your communication. And there might be a piece of that that you'll need to own and that you could make a shift on or you could make a change on that may change the outcome of what's happening. I love that. Well, I mean, this is awesome. I think this I mean, I think this really communicates and connects Mm. with so many more people then I think most people realize in the entrepreneurial business space and so many of our listeners, I mean, if we God, I mean, for me, this has been, this entire episode has been huge. Mm-hmm. I think when we do the stronger business max out moment, we talk about what to do this weekend. I think we just identified it as, you know, identifying those repetitive things, writing out that dialogue, then, then figuring out, you know, for me, what, what, behaviors, what things do I want mm-hmm. in in the people that I'm leading and managing and will eventually hire? And then what is that model? What is that communication? What is that model for leadership? That's that seems when I look at this book and I start going through that, that seems over this stuff seems overwhelming. I'm like, my mm-hmm. God, that I don't even know how I'm gonna get through this. But when we break it down into those three actions, I'm like, I can mm-hmm. do that this weekend. I could start that this weekend. And I, not only that, I kind of excited about it because I get to mm. lay out what I want. And so I don't know. I think this this changes my thoughts and my ideas of leadership, and really mm. kind of frames it in a completely different way. Where I think there's another layer of vision, core values, and then something in that behaviors or characteristics yeah. that. It's that space between me and the person I'm leading or people I'm leading, which is kind of makes sense of why there's a certain personality, which is like mine that I can lead. And I've been successful leading. I don't know. Yep. This is, this is like mind blowing to me and so freaking hard. I'm glad there's people like you out there that can <laughs> cipher through this. You're more like a therapist than you are like a coach, by the way, you're like a leadership therapist. Thank you. Do you know, so many people say that. Um, about this work. And I just, I think that, you know, I, I find it really fascinating. The, the thing that I'd say is that um, I think that looking at leadership and having conversations like this often feels therapeutic in the sense that we get clarity and we feel heard and understood. And I think that that's often what makes us associate it with therapy, which is actually a whole different field, but I, I agree. And honestly, for me, makes sense. 
why it's so damn hard because I am a numbers black and white person. Again, I, I want it to be on a spreadsheet (laughs) and it's not, it's, it's more, it's more art than science It's more therapy than just do this and it'll work. I'm like, just tell me the five things to do. And I want it to work every time. That is not the way this works. Yeah. And so, but you know, you, you even today are, demonstrating and modeling the value that you have in your organization around being coachable. So there is, you're demonstrating leadership with me right here in this very moment. I think the ability to talk it out and just, you know, to set your sights on something and to be open to, um, you know, looking at your part in that, that's, you know, I hold that that's leadership. Uh, I love it. Well, you've, you certainly made me feel better about it today. How do people connect with you? What all services do you offer? Can people hire you one-on-one? Do they need to buy the book? Do you have a course? Do they hire your company? This this has been awesome. And I think this is going to resonate and just really connect with so many people. Where do people go from here to connect with you yeah. more, find out more? Perfect. Um, so the company is teamcatapult.com. Um, you can find me there. You can also connect to me on LinkedIn at Marsha Acker. Um, we, uh, and then you can, uh, the book is at buildyourmodel.com. Uh, you can buy a copy of the book. So we work with individual leaders. We work with um, leadership teams and we have open enrollment programs. So we have a program called Making Behavioral Change Happen. Um, it actually starts next week. Uh, so yeah, you should come join us. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, so that's a way to learn about it. Um, we work with individual leaders one-on-one. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. I'm happy to talk with folks that way. And then we, um, work with intact leadership teams. So a lot of times, uh, if a team is just at the point where, they're noticing change, like they wouldn't necessarily describe it as they're broken, but they're noticing that they're trying to level up. Or um, I think another common pattern is we've got this person on our team who's really dragging us down. That's another common um, way that that shows up. We go in and actually help the team um, together onboard skills around communicative, communicative competence. So building that together. I love that. Oh my God. So awesome. I could not encourage everybody enough mm-hmm. to connect with Marsha, connect with everything you're doing and plug in somewhere. I'm going to continue outside the book to plug in more. I want to engage more with you. And also too, if you're willing, I'd love to every few months circle back on this and let's talk yeah. about kind of what's yeah. happened, the trajectory and stuff. I, I have so much fun with you and you teach me so much every time and just really having an expert in this field and helping navigate these things as my leadership therapist is extremely valuable to me. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an awesome episode. You all go check us out, strongerbusiness.com. Share this episode with anybody you think is struggling on the leadership side or the entrepreneurial side of how how to grow when it comes to people and management. And I think there'll be a lot of connection here and uh, people will be grateful you shared this episode because Marsha is amazing at what she does. Y'all have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. 
check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.